This week's episode of the Star Wars Report is brought to you by the good folks supporting us over on patreon.com slash Report. Let's do the show, folks. Come, come, come. And who might you be? It's the Star Wars Report. Star Wars Report. Woo! Star Wars Report. The place for Star Wars news, features, interviews, and more. Then we can do something epic. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Please delete as appropriate. The Force. It's calling to you. Just let it in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Star Wars Report. I am not Riley Blanton, but you may recognize my voice. I'm Bruce Gibson filling in for Riley. Riley is off this week. I mean, I know this isn't like his job and like, oh, he took a week off on, for vacation from the Star Wars report. But, you know, things in your personal life happen and then, you know, you got to take care of things or whatever that's going on in your life. So I'm filling in, jumping in to this episode of the Star Wars report. And with me is my guest co-host who's been on the show before. It's been a while, but it's Dan Gunther. Dan, how are you? Hey, Bruce. Happy to be here. Uh, talking about Star Wars. So, yeah, a bit of a change, but yeah, glad to be back. <laughs> yes, because we co host uh, Positively Track, another podcast that is just as big, if not bigger than this one. I'm <laughs> kidding. I wish it was that big, but hey, check it out. If you like the show, you might like that one too. But we are both Star Wars fans. Of course, I've been on the show quite a bit. I've been even a producer of the show. I don't do as much lately, but. I love Star Wars. Dan, you love Star Wars, but not as much as I do. Yeah, I'm I'm a big Star Wars fan from way back. Watched, you know, the original trilogy way, way, way back when as a kid. Love Star Wars. Um, yeah, probably not as huge a fan as, as you or any of the other regular uh, hosts of the show. But yeah, I, I, I really enjoy Star Wars. Always there on opening night when there's a new movie. <laughs> and your wife is a big fan. That's cool, too. Yeah, she is definitely, of the two of us, the bigger Star Wars fan. She uh, is famous for her collection of Akbars. So <laughs> <laughs> so wait, does she have like a whole shelf of Akbars? Uh, yeah, they're they're frequently rearranged. So I'd, I'd say it's several shelves of Star Wars stuff with Akbars sprinkled liberally throughout. <laughs> now, why did she decide Akbar? What is it that she likes about that character? I, you know, I don't know. She just says she really likes Akbar. Uh, she thinks he's really cute and uh, has always been a fan. So, <laughs> you know, I if if we ever met Akbar in real life, I fear I may have some real competition. But uh, luckily, that has not happened. So nice. <laughs> it's a trap. I had to say it right. <laughs> have to go there. Exactly. Hey. So uh, on today's show, I do want to talk about The Mandalorian, the first episode or the start of the new season of The Mandalorian. So we're going to talk about that some here on the show, but that's coming up later. That's a little tease because I'm putting it at the end of the show because, well, you know, if you still haven't watched it for whatever reason, we don't want to spoil anything for you. So we'll say that to later so you can turn off the podcast and do something else. But in the meantime, we'll go into some news. We have something to report. Sir, I have good news. Data brought to us by the Botham spies. We can send a clear transmission. There it is. Listen, listen. Okay, so the first story I want to touch on here in the news is about John Boyega. Yes, Finn himself. 
And he said that he's been very transparent to Disney. Now, I saw a few weeks ago, John was tweeting out how he was not happy with how his character had been handled in the trilogy, how it seemed that he was in the forefront and then he started to kind of get pushed more and more into the back. And, and here's what he had to say. What I would say to Disney is do not bring out a black character, market them to be much more important in the franchise than they are, and then have them pushed to the side. It's not good. I'll say it straight up. That's what he told GQ. So, and that's similar to the, the tweet I saw, saw a few weeks ago. So mm. I thought this was interesting, and there, there's more to this, but I never really thought of his character being pushed aside. I mean, I did think maybe there's more potential for his character after watching The Force Awakens, but I didn't really look at it as if he just became like a background character or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I kind of see where he's coming from, from some of the marketing and stuff. I kind of felt like his character was on a different trajectory than what came of him. And I can understand a bit of that frustration. Uh, at the same time, John, John Boyega is definitely somebody who doesn't pull any punches, I've noticed, when it comes to social media and sharing of opinions and stuff. So, you know, and and, and good on him, I think, Uh you know, making your position known and, and your opinion known. I, I, I think that's kind of refreshing a little bit, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I understand a bit of the frustration, but he was still a pretty important character in the trilogy. I thought as well. I, I think I saw him mention at one point that the story really became more about Ray and Kylo Ren, but that's how I feel even about the original trilogy. I feel like the main storyline is Luke and Vader And the rest of the characters, although important and although getting a lot of spotlight, kind of revolve around that story. And because I wouldn't say that the original trilogy was the story of Han Solo or Princess Leia. I would say it's more the story of Luke Skywalker and his journey, but they're part of that story. And that's kind of how I felt about Finn and the rest of the characters, really, Mm -hmm. uh, with Rey. Yeah, I see a bit of that. I, I feel like maybe the original trilogy did a little bit better job integrating everybody. I mean, I'm I'm thinking, of course, of Han Solo's arc with Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi and, you know, the whole movie kind of starting off with the rescue of Han Solo and stuff. But, you know, it's it maybe they did a little bit better job, I think, of having the ensemble and not at all being focused on the couple of characters, but yeah, the the sequel trilogy, I didn't, I enjoyed them, but it it does feel like those characters went to the background a little bit more than in the previous trilogies. Yeah, or trilogy, I guess. <laughs> I could be I could be wrong about that though too. No, I mean I I really loved Finn in the first movie, and I loved him since, but I really love him in the Force Awakens. When it comes to the other two, you know, his journey with Rose was okay. And then I liked what he did in The Rise of Skywalker, but it did seem like he was more of a tag-along character. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, that's a lot of how I feel as well. I'm thinking, like, for example, in... Uh, and again, it's been a while since I've seen all these films, but I'm thinking back to The Last Jedi, where, you know, he's he's horribly injured at the end of The Force Awakens, and then 
um, the last Jedi, it's kind of almost forgotten. Like he's in the little back to suit or whatever that is at the beginning. And then like, it, that's just kind of dropped. Like it felt like there was going to be an interesting journey there. Uh, I don't know. That's just kind of one example of where I thought they were going to do something different with Finn and they ended up going in a different direction. Well, and then I felt the same way about Poe. I, you know, I mean, I guess what I felt with Finn in the later movies, I felt with Poe too. Like there could have been more potential with both of those characters, but especially then with Rose, because when she was brought into The Last Jedi, she had a sizable role. And then she was really pushed back as a background character that didn't have a whole lot to do in The Rise of Skywalker. And the argument could be there too that, you know, you don't introduce an Asian woman character in a movie and then just push her off to the side either. Yeah, and I think that argument's a valid one there as well. Uh, you know, to a lesser extent, she wasn't as big a character as Finn was purported to be and, and really marketed to be if you watch, you know, the marketing for uh, The Force Awakens. It really did feel like it was going to be Finn and Rey as kind of the two sides of, of whatever story they were go- pushing going forward. And then, yeah, he was shunted to the background And then again, like you said, Rose was shunted to the background and even more because she was already kind of a background character more so in uh, having only been introduced in the second film. Exactly. Yeah. Well, he did speak to Disney about this afterwards, because now that the movies are over, he felt like he could be more open about his feelings about uh, his role in those films. And he says it was a very honest and transparent conversation. There was a lot of explaining on their end in terms of the way they saw things. They gave me a chance also to explain what my experience was like. So, I mean, you know, he had that conversation and yeah, I mean, I think we get it. We understand. Uh, It's unfortunate. So I feel that Disney owes him his own movie now. (laughs) Yeah, it it sounds to me like this conversation, it it feels to me like being called into the principal's office a little bit. Uh, And then, you know, afterwards, yeah, I explained my position and they told me uh, the way they saw things. It's... You know, I I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that conversation. Uh, I I bet it was, I bet it felt a little bit heavy at times, I would imagine. Well, it also doesn't help the fact that, you know, sometimes they just try to cram too many things into a film and they get, you know, then they don't know what to do and it gets disoriented in some ways and they, they get, then they, you know, that was my concern when they added Rose. It's like, okay, now you're adding yet another character. And so when you get to the next movie, now you've got more characters you have to juggle. So the more characters and situations you're putting in, it's like things start ending up on the cutting room floor because you can't juggle at all. It gets to be a bit much. So. Absolutely. And, and there were a lot of elements uh, in that trilogy, especially by that final film for sure. So yeah, yeah I, I, I see things from a lot of different perspectives on this story, I think. Yeah, me too. And when I said they own, they owe John Boyega his own show or movie, what I mean by that is I want to see him return as Finn in his own movie or show. So I'll, I'll take Finn any day. As a matter of fact, Dan, no one else can see this but you because we're on video. But I just realized right behind me, right here, I've got Finn, my Ooh, little Finn cool. figure. Oops, he just <laughs> dropped his gun. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Do you really think he'd be interested in coming back as Finn at this point? Because, I don't know, some of the, the language and just his tone here, and, and again, I haven't really followed this story a lot, but 
I, I feel like he doesn't sound like he's too keen on that idea. I could be wrong. Um, I don't know. I think he might be open to it, especially, you know, money talks. <laughs> so, Very true. <laughs> like, well, gee, why would I pass up on that, right? So I, I don't know. I think he would do it. I don't know if Disney will do it, but uh, I know they're listening right now. So Disney, please do it because <laughs> I'm telling you to right now. Hey, there's another story, though, in here in the news that kind of relates to what I'm saying. And that is Jin Erso in Rogue One. And so Felicity Jones, who played that character, was recently interviewed, and she said to The Hollywood Reporter that she would be open to coming back as Jin Erso, which, wait a second, Jin Erso died in the end of Rogue One, or did she really? And so it's interesting here, because as they're asking her a question about her coming back, she says, well... I just keep saying that reincarnation is totally possible in the Star Wars universe. And then she says, so I feel there's unfinished business for Jin for sure. And she's hmm. laughing when she's saying this because that's what it says here. She's, she laughs. She's not really that serious, but you could do like a prequel type situation with that character. I don't want it to be that she comes back to life. You know, we, we tend to kill characters in Star Wars and they come back somehow and we don't need to do that, but it's also mentioning here that she's still under contract, that she could get another option from Disney. Yeah, that's the part that I found most interesting was this question here. I hear that Disney has an option for you to do a second film that it keeps extending. So that's interesting. They they keep pushing that off, I guess. But yeah, the fact that that exists is really interesting. Uh, the interviewer does say the fate of your character, Jen Urso, is unclear at the end of Rogue One. I was not aware that it was unclear. Like no. it, it seemed like she's a goner. Uh, I don't know how many people survive a Death Star blast. It doesn't seem possible to me <laughs> that that line really confused me there. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could say, well, we didn't actually see her dead, but yeah, come on. She's, it, it would be a really big stretch to try to figure out a way that she survived that. Yeah, I mean, they couldn't beam her out at the last second. That's the wrong universe. So <laughs> I don't know what would have been able to make that happen there. But again, if you want to put Jin Urso in a film with Finn and there's a way to figure that out, <laughs> I would say, hey, I'm not really that on board because that's a big stretch. I'd love <laughs> to see it, but I don't think that's going to work. Yeah, to be fair, I loved Felicity Jones. I would love to see Jin Urso again. I thought Rogue One was an incredible film. I just, like you, I'd prefer it to be a prequel or, or something that, you know, takes place before or something like that. Because uh, I, I don't want, I don't know, I don't want to have to do the mental gymnastics that it would require to resurrect her character there. <laughs> well, we are getting a prequel to Rogue One. So there is a new Disney Plus series that's coming out that uh, I haven't heard much lately. It's been a while, but I guess, you know, it doesn't help when there's COVID. But uh, mm. that uh, series is fo focused on Cassie and Andor. So maybe in that prequel, we do see a Jyn Erso, even though they haven't met, but she could like make a cameo where they don't actually meet. Yeah, um, like maybe a, a parallel storyline going on at the same time or something where she's doing something or yeah could be interesting that would be that would be kind of cool i'm all for it so felicity listen you 
you got to call Disney. I mean, if John Boyega can sit down with Disney and complain, so can you. You can just call them right now <laughs> and say, I want to be in that prequel series. And they'll make it happen for you. And if that doesn't work, call John Favreau because he's got some pull now too. I think he'll make that happen for you. So yeah. look, look at me. Like I talk like I have connections and I know these people. <laughs> I don't know them. They don't know me. You know, it's just pretend. You know, it's fantasy like Star Wars. Okay, last news item though is, I, you know, I'm not a big shopper. Even to Star Wars things, I'm not a big shopper. But a lot, I know a lot of you are. Galaxy's Edge, there's several things from the Star Wars trading post from Galaxy's Edge that has appeared now on Shop Disney. So you can go online and buy this stuff without having to go to any of the Disney parks. You don't have to go to Galaxy's Edge to get these. And there's several items here, and I'm looking at this on fanthatracks.com. So if you want to take a look at these things, you can go there. And, of course, you can go to Shop Disney and see them, too, at the, uh, at the uh, Star Wars trading post at Shop Disney. They have all this cool stuff. And you've got, um, you know, the little Kowaki and Monkey Lizard. I always just called him the <laughs> guy. I remember <laughs> seeing those at Galaxy's Edge, and they, they had people that worked there that would come over and put it on your shoulder. And they did that to my daughter, and it was kind of cute. But yeah, it's got a little cord connection to it that you can make it move around and stuff, and it sits on your shoulders like a magnet that takes care of that for you. Yeah, those are pretty cool. I, I remember seeing them when I was at Galaxy's Edge, and I, I think out of everything on here, that's what caught my eye. I, I remember seeing them at Galaxy's Edge for sure. I also like this wart toy guy. Mm-hmm. Um He's kind of a scary looking thing, but cute at the same time. <laughs> Is know? he that big frog thing from Return of the Jedi? That's what I was thinking. Jabba's palace? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Okay. Uh, which I love that scene where he's like, tongue eats the bug or whatever, and he burps. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's little plush dolls, which I have to tell you, the one plush doll I did get at Galaxy's Edge um, is sitting, where did she go? She's oh she's laying over there across the room. I can't reach her right now, but I got the little plush doll of Ray. Oh, that's and cool. No lie, and I may have mentioned this years ago on the show. Well, not years ago; it would have been last year because I think that's when I was at Galaxy's Edge. But in our hotel room for the trip, that this was when we were at Disneyland. In our hotel room for the next couple of nights, I slept with that doll in the bed. <laughs> that's awesome. And I kept. <laughs> I was worried. I was like, "Is my wife going to be like?" Why are you sleeping with a doll? My kids thought it was funny, but I thought after a while it would annoy my wife. And then by the time we got back home from the trip, I still slept with that doll for a week. I've never slept with dolls before, (laughs) but it was just cute and it's Ray and it's Star Wars and it's Disney and it's Galaxy's Edge. And so I had to have, but she's not on here, but there's Ahsoka and there's an Ewok. There's Princess Leia and Lando. I mean, there's Jabba the Hutt even in Chewbacca. I mean, there's a bunch of them, but Ray's not on there. (laughs) You know, one that I remember seeing at Galaxy's Edge and I kind of almost wanted to get, even though like, I hate the character. I, I'm not a big fan of the character, but I don't know why the plush is really cute was there's this Watto plush. And uh, I see that here at the bottom of the page. There's there's a little plushie of Watto and I, I have no idea why <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted that. But I, I just fly him around the room going, room going hey, Anakin, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That'd be, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> you should do that. He is cute. He's not cute in the movie, but no. this little plush is very cute. Yeah, absolutely. 
his little vest makes it look like he's wearing a big bow tie. <laughs> <laughs> That's there's a Yoda, there's a Tauntaun, and of course, of course, there's a Porg. You gotta have of a course. Porg. Yeah, we have so many Porgs now. Uh, I don't know. We we even a couple of years ago threw a Porg party where we had Porg themed food and and decorations and stuff. Uh, my wife loves the Porgs and, and I like them too. They're pretty cool. <laughs> I remember that now. I remember seeing pictures of your Porg party. <laughs> yeah. I think my kids got me a Porg. I think it was for Christmas last year or maybe it was the year before. I think it was the year before. And it makes the sound of a Porg and it flaps its wings. Oh, but we when might have the same it, one. <laughs> you have this. Okay. So they put a little ribbon around its neck with a little sign because they named it and they put the name on the sign and the name is Riley. So huh. my Porg is named after Riley Blanton of the Star Wars report. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> because Riley and longtime listeners will know that there's, there was a time where Riley stayed at her house quite a bit. Like our guest bedroom became Riley's room. And I know Riley's not on the show right now, so I can talk about this, but he loves to sing Irish songs. And so he would get up in the morning and that guest bedroom has its own bathroom and he'd be in the bathroom taking a shower or whatever. And my daughters would laugh and say, Riley's up there singing Irish songs again in the shower. <laughs> so, oh, that's excellent. They were like, he's like an, their older brother. So because he wasn't here as much and he's gone off and got married, the Porg is now Riley. So. Oh, I love it. That's but the great. Porg doesn't sing Irish songs. So. Oh, not so much. Eh? No. <laughs> but if they ever make a movie with Jen Urso and Finn, they could put a Porg in there singing Irish songs and then I'll be happy. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and at this point, Dan's like, why did I agree to come on the show that's getting really weird? <laughs> hey, I mean, podcasting with you always gets a little weird. That's it does. That's part of the charm. <laughs> but I feel like I can be weirder on this show because it's not mine. Huh. <laughs> like I don't care if it sounds good or not. <laughs> that's funny. I see. I feel the opposite way. I'm like, oh my goodness, this isn't my show. I better be on my best behavior. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, because yeah, you're a guest, and this is kind of like my also my other home. And I know you know Riley lets me kid around and stuff. So, but we'll move on. Okay, we're going to talk about the Mandalorian. <laughs> Like I mentioned earlier, but before we do that, we're going to hit up on some Boba's bounty. It's worth a lot to me. As you wish. So, Dan, what is your Boba's bounty for today? Well, this is this is one that I'm sure is kind of the same for a lot of people out there, but... Uh, we're of course very excited about the Mandalorian right now, or as my wife calls it, the baby Yoda show. <laughs> and yep. we did in fact get a, a doll of the child as it's officially known, of course. And, uh, it's very lifelike about life size, uh, very detailed, very cute. And he sits on the couch with us every week now and watches <laughs> the Mandalorian. So Yay. You know, and, 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 you know, Nikki will make him cheer and stuff whenever, you know, baby Yoda or the child shows up on screen. So yeah, it's, it's, he's been a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. Cause I have a similar situation. My wife's birthday was just the other day and I got her a baby Yoda little plush. It, it's the one that it, it's got its feet and it's, 
under its thing? Because you, you told me before the show, yours doesn't have the feet, right? Right. Yeah. It's kind of, uh, he's got that little, I don't know what he wears, like a potato sack <laughs> on <laughs> and, and it hangs low and there's no feet under it though. It's just kind of a round sewn up thing. And the, the, the head is like not hard plastic. It's kind of a, well, I guess it's kind of hard plastic, but it's, the rest is just plush uh, and he's got little hands, but other than that, it's all just plush kind of formless green shape inside so he's like a baby yoda worm or something i don't know <laughs> well ours has feet or hers has feet and it's got the potato sack you know because if it wants to do potato sack racing it's all set ready to go but and it makes sounds so when you squeeze it it's like oh that's cool you know the little sounds it makes <laughs> and it came with the little plastic frog it can eat in a little bowl that you can put water in i don't know but anyway, I gave her that because she loves Baby Yoda. Because she, anytime she sees Baby Yoda, she says, she's, this is how she does it. Baby Yoda, baby, baby Yoda. Every time she says Baby Yoda, it's just <laughs> like that. So now, to your point, so we just got it. So it was after this season premiere of The Mandalorian. So episode two, when that comes on, she'll probably have Baby Yoda sitting next to her while we watch it. But right now, just like me with the plush Ray. She's sleeping with baby Yoda in the bed. <laughs> She's not holding it. It just lays there next to her, next to her Aww, pillow. That's so, adorable. <laughs> but, well, it is, and it's not because, and I'm not going to get into a long story about this, but because my wife is in the medical profession and she's around people all the time, um, we have to be a little more cautious here at home when it comes to COVID. So I have been sleeping in Riley's old room, <laughs> the guest bedroom. And she's sleeping in our bedroom with Baby Yoda. Baby oh. Yoda has taken my space in the bed. Wow. That's, uh, hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. That's... Well, she, she was telling uh, somebody the other day how she doesn't cuddle with Baby Yoda. He just lays next to her. She doesn't touch him. And I said, oh, so you treat him the same way you treat me. Oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> But because I'm sleeping in the other room, I sometimes stay up later at night reading. And I fin this is the, this part of Boba's bounty. I finished reading the Jedi Academy trilogy, the Star Wars Legends books that came back came out in the '90s by uh, Michael Stackpole, who I've met several times. I've talked to this guy a lot, but I've never read those books. And the, the thing is, I bought these. I think it was in 96 or something like that. Sometimes in the big, it wasn't when they first came out, but I bought them as a box set. And I thought at the time when I bought them, for some reason I was thinking they were audio books. I thought it was like tapes. This is back when tapes and CDs or whatever, but I thought that's what it was. And when I got home, I was like, Oh no, these are the, well, I'll read them some other time. Cause I was going to listen to them in the car and I've just had them on the shelf forever saying one day I'll read them. And all these years later, I finally read them and I really, like them. I really enjoyed them. So that's my Boba's Bounty. After 25 years, I finally read my Jedi Academy trilogy books. Nice. That's really cool. <laughs> so I'm very happy about that. That being said, it is time to talk about The Mandalorian, Season 2, Episode 1, The Marshal. Now, just so you guys know, we're not going to a big in-depth analysis because we save that for our other show here on the network, The Mandocast, 
with Michael Morris. And his guest talking about that episode is Steve Glosson. So if you guys know Big Honk and Steve, he's on that episode with Michael. I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm sure it's good. Because anytime you have Steve on a podcast, it's a good show. I'd done a couple shows with him. They're my best shows because it was Steve, not because of me. So... <laughs> <laughs> so hard on yourself, Bruce. I know. Do you know who Big Honk and Steve? He doesn't really like to be called that anymore. Do you know who I'm talking about? You probably don't. I don't. I'm afraid. No. Okay. Well, one day you will. So <laughs> it sounds like a threat. <laughs> <laughs> no, you'll just you'll discover him someday. And go. Oh, I love this guy. So Dan, what what do you think? First of all, of season one as a whole. I loved season one. I really enjoyed the Mandalorian. I, I think uh, actually in the, in the week leading up to the season two premiere, Nikki and I rewatched uh, the entire uh, season of the Mandalorian. And we realized we hadn't done that with seven days left. So uh, we watched one a day, except for the last day uh, we watched the last two episodes. And uh, it really cemented to me how solid that first season is. There's really only one episode in the whole season where I came away from it going, I didn't really like that episode. Like it just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth, but every other one, like I had my nitpicks here and there and, and that sort of thing. But generally speaking, really solid first season, uh, really great acting by almost everyone involved and uh, the, the visuals like this show is just beautiful. So uh, you know, maybe turn up the up the lights a little bit sometimes, but other than that, great, great show. <laughs> <laughs> Funny you said that because yeah, we talked about that on our other podcast, Positively Trek. So we did touch a little bit on the Mandalorian there, and that was one of the things. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. I I loved it. I wish I would have done what you did. I wanted to, and I just never got around to doing it. Of rewatching it right before season two started. But I mean, I've watched it several times each episode. So, I mean, it's fresh in my head, but yeah, it would have been great to just do that. So maybe what I'll do is when season two ends, then I'll binge watch the two seasons together. That might be pretty cool. That, that, that I would like, yeah. but there was one big thing I really wanted to take away from the season. And I wanted to see, yeah, by the way, spoilers, like I said earlier, turn it off if you don't want to know. My biggest takeaway from the season that I wanted was Boba Fett. And there's a few other big ones I want to. But for right now, Boba Fett is what I wanted. And so I was very <laughs> pleased to see the armor. And I'm going to tell you right now, as soon as I saw the armor, I knew, of course, that wasn't Boba Fett when he took the helmet off. And even his right. body shape, I just looked like, I don't think that's him. But I thought, I bet we'll see him at the end, at the very end of the episode. And I just sat there waiting the whole time. And sure enough... There he was. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, probably, I think, my favorite thing about that episode was that reveal at the end, uh, which, like you, maybe I was expecting at some point. I, I don't know if I thought for sure it would be in this episode, but given that they're on Tatooine and that was his last known location and we get his armor, like you, say, like you said, uh, it, it made sense that, yeah, he showed up right at the end there. Well, I also heard that Tamora Morrison, who played Django Fett in The Clones, I heard that he was on the set, that he was going to be in this season. So that was another mm -hmm. indication of, well, then, he, you know, of 
course, he's probably Boba Fett. I mean, we've heard the rumors and things like that. But yeah, I knew we'd probably see him at the end. Like, why not tease us in that first episode? But here's the other thing that's really cool. And you probably don't know this. So, okay, everybody, just so you know, Dan and I are big readers when it comes to Star Trek books. But I also read the Star Wars books. And I did read the trilogy of Star Wars Aftermath by Chuck Wendig. Mm. And in those books, there's interludes of these different stories. And one is about this guy who's a marshal of this town on Tatooine who gets hold of Boba Fett's armor. And oh, his that's name cool. is Cobb Vanth. This character that we had in this episode comes from those novels. Oh, that's neat. I did not know that. That's very cool. Yeah, so most of the interludes in the books are what take place before this episode. And they don't quite match up because there's actually an interlude of him getting the armor, but it plays out a little differently. It's like he made a trade with the Jawas, and then someone from the um, the mining collective comes in, and he's helping him choose items to buy from the Jawas. And the guy's like, oh, there's a box here. And he opens the box. Oh, look, there's a there's a really cool armored suit in here. I think I'll take that. And Cobb is like, no, I think I'm going to take that. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, things happen and he gets the armor, which so you they still just could- kind of shorthanded it for the, the episode. It seems like, I guess. Eh? Yeah. It plays a little different. It still could fit in though, but it just, but anyway, there's little things like that. It's just slight differences, but it's got, yeah, it's got the, the, uh, the mining collective in it and in, in those interludes and such. So, and, and there is something in there where the town already has uh, an agreement with the Tuscan Ra- Raiders where they're protecting the town even before this episode, hmm. which kind of contradicts. So I, in my head canon, it's, well, they had a falling out, you know, yeah. so <laughs> I don't know. So <laughs> what'd you think of the, um, the premise of this episode of going back to Tatooine and dealing with the Tuscan Raiders and, and the Crate Dragon? I, it wasn't bad. The The story itself seems very familiar. You know, it, it's kind of one that's been played out in, in different mediums before. Uh, you know, before when I was saying watching season one, there was only one episode in that bunch that I was just like, I really didn't like that one. I wasn't a big fan. And sadly, that episode was the gunslinger, the previous one where he oh. visited Tatooine. And I think I remember watching that and thinking like, ah, oh, my favorite thing is in this is Amy Sedaris and the rest I'm not a big fan of. So really happy to see her back. I was a little bit kind of going, Oh, he's going back to Tatooine, but given some of the stuff that's leaked about who's in this season and, and what's coming and stuff, I kind of figured that was going to happen sooner or later. Um, so, you know, I wasn't thrilled to be back on Tatooine just because of the recent memory of that episode. And like that episode this one feels like it's it's a lot of hey remember this hey remember this oh look at this which you know is okay but uh it's not my not my favorite thing but but visually and you know acting wise and that sort of thing i i I have no complaints there i i think this was a gorgeous episode and uh maybe the story is a little bit cliched but they did a good job with it, I think. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, first of all, when he was told to go to Tatooine at the beginning of this episode, I was like, well, we were just kind of there. 
And I mean, mm. I loved seeing Tatooine before, but to me, it's like Tatooine's so remote that I, I kind of want to use it sparingly that, you know, somebody would, it's not a place somebody would keep going back to, but okay. I mean, it happens, of course. Sure. I think it would have been a lot better if he never went to Tatooine and this was the first time and it was to go find Bo- Boba Fett um, or the Mandalorian he's looking for. But, I mean, it works either way. I mean, I'm geeking out, though, when I'm seeing these things. I love seeing the Banthas up close. I mean, we get a really mm-hmm. good shot. I mean, they look so real, and I love that. I love seeing them in single file, because in A New Hope, uh, Ben Kenobi says that Tusken Raiders only travel in single file. Yeah. So I like, <laughs> you know, there's little touches like that in there I was enjoying. Uh, you know, I make notes about these episodes uh, what, you know, on our other show, you know, the Star Trek discoveries and Picards and all that. And I've done shows about the Mandalorian episodes as they've come out. I made notes. I've noticed that my notes on this episode, there wasn't a whole lot because there's not a lot of dialogue. It's not dialogue heavy. Mm-hmm. So, but there's a lot of just eye candy in my opinion. <laughs> I'm just like, and it's like you said, it looks beautiful and the production value is really up there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's kind of my biggest complaint was there's, there's not a ton of meat to the story. There's, you know, it, it seems to be kind of designed to get us to Tatooine and reveal the armor and reveal Boba Fett. And then the rest is just kind of this other story that I, I don't know, like it's, it's well told. It's a good story, but it's, it does, it doesn't feel very substantial if that makes sense. I mean, but seeing a crate dragon come out the top of a mountain is pretty darn cool. So oh, I love that. Part. I'll give them a lot of points for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's a chapter nine of a whole story. So mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not wanting them to show all of their cards all at once or anything like that, but uh, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was good. I enjoyed it, but I, it wasn't groundbreaking to me. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, you're right. I mean, it's not some big complex story or anything. I mean, but it was, it's simple enough and it was fun enough that I had a really good time with it. There's several things in here, though, I want to point out. Uh, We do see a flashback from uh, Cobb's point of view of how he got the armor and we see Jawas and the Jawas have red eyes. Now, we've seen the red-eyed Jawas in a previous episode of The Mandalorian on a different planet. Now, if you watch the original movies, the Jawas have more of yellow eyes than red. Hmm. And people were saying online, and I don't even know if somebody at Lucasfilm said this, uh, well, Jawas on that planet have red eyes and Jawas on Tatooine have yellow, but then we're on Tatooine, they have red. So I don't know if they just want to make the eyes red going forward, or maybe that was the intent from the original movies and it just didn't look as red or, you know, maybe more orange color instead of red. But, you know, again, in my head canon, I can say, well, I have blue eyes, Dan. What color are your eyes? (laughs) My eyes are brown. So see, humans from Earth, I guess, have multiple colored eyes, so... This. Or we can just assume you're in Canada and maybe people in Canada have brown eyes and people like me in the United States have blue eyes. <laughs> like, but, <laughs> but it just shows like there's diversity in Jawas, right? Why not? Yeah. So. Yeah. Maybe uh, just a, a pair of Jawas 
hitched a ride from one planet to the other and, and started a family. I, you know, who knows, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and speaking of red, there was a red droid there, red and white droid, R5-D4. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm like, wait, is that supposed to be him? And then I see that little pan on the back of his head yep. where his motivator exploded in A New Hope. <laughs> yeah, I... I I caught that for sure. I was like, oh, the little scorch marks there. Oh, my goodness. It's it's that same droid. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And one thing I didn't catch that I found out later is Sam Witwer, who uh, is the voice of Darth Maul and who was in the uh, Force Unleashed video games as Starkiller. And, you know, he's been a bunch of, you know, different things and such. He is in the town when... Oh. Uh, the Mandalorian is driving into town. He's one of the guys that's like pushing a cart of, he's got like a little, I don't know what it is. Some object that he's pushing. You just, you know, I didn't notice it was him till someone pointed it out online. So he has like this little brief cameo in there. So Hmm. the other thing I've read online is people talking about the, uh, pod racer, device thing <laughs> that Cobb is driving. But first of all, that scene kind of bothered me and I, and I didn't say anything online, but I saw some other people complaining to, about this too. So it wasn't just me, but when he's talking about his backstory to the Mandalorian behind him, it's like those things that they're driving are pretty loud. And he's just talking in this normal tone. Like it's like, he wouldn't be able to hear you, dude. <laughs> I had that exact same thought. I, it, it did pull me out of the episode briefly. I was like, wait, how is he hearing any of this? Yeah. Unless maybe they slowed down so he could talk. And so it wasn't that noisy. I don't know. It's like, yeah, it seemed odd. I was, it was, it was when the scene goes back to them flying through the desert and I'm going, wait, that whole conversation was them on those. Yeah. I, I, I thought like when that started, like they'd stopped somewhere for the night or something. Right. But then it went back to them on the on the bikes, and I was just like, that seems weird. Yeah, you know, John Favreau directed this episode. I assume that he also directed the scene, unless he had somebody stand in for him. But it surprises me that he didn't have the character yelling over the the sound of the, the pod race and, and the bikes that they're in. But um, at the same time, because we're hearing narration of back scenes, he probably doesn't want the guy yelling through the whole thing. So yeah. I, I kind of get it. So again, now in my head canon, I'm pretending that, uh, that our Mando guy has a microphone and an earpiece in his helmet. And this guy has something clipped to his, I don't know, his, uh, something armor that he does. It's being amplified into the, I don't know. Um, it's a stretch. Was- was he wearing his helmet through that scene? The, the no. other, no, mm-hmm. no, the other, well, the Mandalorian is, but not, oh, of course, yeah, but not but, Cobb, no, but Cobb isn't, yeah, no. huh? I don't know. Because if they were both wearing their helmets, I could see it like you know, two helicopter pilots talking, they always have the big headsets right. talking to each other, but uh, yeah, if he doesn't have the helmet on, I, yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. <laughs> Well, the thing I've also been seeing online is what he's driving, and people are saying, oh, that's Anakin's pod racer. That's one of the things. Yeah, I'm not a technical person. I'm sorry, people. I don't remember what that's called. But the <laughs> the po- one of the pods. <laughs> but there's controversy online where people say, oh, it's Anakin's. No, it's not exactly like Anakin's or whatever. And it's like, you know, 
I don't know if it is or isn't. I didn't think it was. I thought it looked similar to it, but I didn't do a side-to-side comparison. But I don't think it really matters. I mean, first of all, I drive a Honda Civic. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that you see other people drive around Honda Civics and say, well, that's got to be Bruce's because Bruce's car looks just like that. <laughs> I'm sure there's other pods that look very similar. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I thought it was supposed to be. But like I'm speaking as a as a more casual Star Wars fan who kind of immediately recognized it. It's definitely there for people to recognize. I guess, yeah, it doesn't really matter if it is the exact same one. But it's definitely there for people to go like, oh, I remember that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it could be Anakin's and it may not be, but it's not necessary to know for the story. It's not doesn't play that kind of part unless yeah. unless he gets some kind of Anakin force vibes from it at some point. Well, there'll be a there'll be a novel or a series of comics that shows how he came into possession of Anakin's pod from his pod racer. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yep. That's why we love the comics and the books and such. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. Or, yeah, um, or those visual dictionaries. We make it yeah, that. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, that's a very good point there. Hmm. Well, uh, first of all, the Crate Dragon loved it, like you mentioned before, crashing out of the mountain. I mean, just the visuals of that. And he's so big, and he sounds just like the sound Obi-Wan made in the more recent versions of a new hope. And you always have uh, to differentiate. <laughs> exactly. And I've heard other people say like, well, he doesn't look like a crate dragon in this or that or whatever, but there's different types of crate dragons. People look it up. So hmm. again, Jawas can have different eye colors and crate dragons can all have different species types of crate dragons. So very cool. I didn't know that. So thank you. Yeah. You can learn something on the show. You know, it's, it's very educational. Now, when they killed it, did you see the one Tuscan Raider pick up that round object out of him? Yeah. And I have to admit, neither I or Nikki had any idea what that was about. I did happen to see a tweet that kind of explained it, though, which is very cool is what I'm assuming you're going to talk about now. <laughs> yeah, because I had to look it up, too. So we have a group and we've mentioned it here on the show before. Riley and I are part of a a um, messenger group with a bunch of friends who, you know, like I mentioned, Michael Morris doing the Mando cast, you know, a lot of podcaster friends. And uh, I didn't know it, but they mentioned it was the Pearl. And I was like, wait, how do I not know the Pearl? But then after they mentioned, I do remember hearing about it before, but when a crate dragon, I guess, swallows a rock of some type and it's digested system kind of morphs that rock and there's like minerals and value into it. And it's like, it came from KOTOR, the Knights of the Old Republic is where it started. So if you killed the crate dragon, your goal was to get the pearl. And so hmm. I guess that's, I think I got that right. It's something like that. Does, yeah. does that differ from what you read or? Uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I read. And I read something also having to do with lightsabers with regards to the pearl from a crate dragon. That's right. You can put it into a lightsaber and okay. it works because it's got, it's got, um, kyber crystal remnants in the pearl okay. that you can utilize. Yeah. That's kind of mostly the part that I read was talking about that. Yeah. So huh. pretty interesting. Very cool. I, I like things that kind of build on the lore like that, that that's cool. Like 
there's kind of almost two levels for me. There's the like, oh, here, look at this. Isn't that cool? You know, like when they when they focus on a glass of blue milk in a movie or something. And then there's things like this that like exist outside of maybe the main films and that kind of thing. And that they bring into, you know, a film or a television show and kind of expand on that lore and that stuff. I love like, you know, the kind of things that if you're sitting watching next to an Uber star Wars fan, you see them really get excited. And then when the closing credits are playing, you have to ask them, okay, what was that about? Because that seems really exciting. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. That's why it was like in our group when they mentioned, I was like, how did I didn't know that? Like, Oh, I missed that. Cause I thought it was an egg because Mm -hmm. in a previous, you remember the job was that like the eggs. Yeah. I was, I was thinking the same thing. It's the suka. <laughs> right, that's what I thought. I was like, "Oh wow, Tuscan Raiders are into these things too." You might crack it open and start eating. <laughs> but no, but yeah. The last thing though, I wanted to bring up, and if there's anything you want to bring up, just let me know. But um, the aspect ratio of this episode—did you yeah. notice that? I noticed uh, towards the end it shifting right into a more cinematic one, and then or something like that. Well, like, and oh, that's what that's most people have mentioned to me, but. Uh, Actually, it is that more letterbox cinematic aspect ratio throughout the whole episode. But then mm-hmm. when the three Tuscan Raiders start to approach the cave and then start to run away to lure it out, the screen starts to expand into that different aspect ratio. So that letterbox on your screen now fills the whole screen. And it stays that way through the end of the episode when we see Boba Fett and then shrinks back down to the letterbox size. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering about that because I noticed it shrink down, but I didn't notice it shrink back up. And I, I did only watch it the one time. I meant to revisit it, but. Yeah, well, I was like, because I was watching, I remember that ending, you know, battle that's taking place. And I remember seeing how it filled my screen. I was like, I thought there was a different aspect ratio to this. How come I never picked this up before? And then when it ended, it shrunk. I was like, wait a second. So I went back and I saw it had that more cinematic aspect ratio. I can't remember what that, it's not 69 cause, but whatever it is. Yeah. But, 235 um, or something th- like that. Yeah. 235 yeah. one or whatever. But, um, it had that aspect and I was like, okay, so at some point it changes. And then I fast forward to the part where I saw it do it. So that's how I noticed it. I went back and looked for it. Um, but it reminded me of what they do sometimes in movies that shoot certain scenes in IMAX mm-hmm. that the screen will grow up and down and fill. And I just wondered if this was filmed in IMAX or something similar to that for cinematic presentation at some point. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Is there anything else you want to talk about the Mandalorian or? I think we pretty much covered it. Uh, there's, there's we didn't talk a lot about the beginning stuff, but, but I thought that was pretty interesting. Of course, I like the, the fight. The, yeah. That was neat to see the Gamorians and, and, yeah. and that sort of thing. Uh, and of course we got our cute baby Yoda moment when he reaches over and closes the little pod because he knows what's about to happen with, uh, <laughs> with the whistling birds <laughs> that the Mando has there. So that was, that was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, and then in that cantina, Baby Yoda stand behind the little spit jar thing. What are they called? You know? The spittoon, yeah. Yeah, and then he gets in it, and my wife's like, oh. no, Baby Yoda, no, get out of that, get out of that, you know? And then she giggled when he was riding on the bike, and the wind's blowing his ears, and he's smiling. She's like, yay, wait. my wife's going nuts over Baby Yoda right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cute, yeah. 
<laughs> so, um, yeah, real quick, final thoughts on the episode. Yeah, generally pretty solid. I did enjoy it. Uh, wasn't I? Th- I think after watching all of season one, the way it's weighted is like the first half of the season are pretty. You know, there's there's these smaller adventures that are going into the story, and then right at the end of the season, it gets you know really heavy with what's going on with the like the actual plot and the arc and stuff and i kind of have to get back in that mindset that you know yeah we're back to the start of a season where there it's going to be a slow burn uh into the more plot heavy stuff so you know i gotta temper my expectations a little bit but generally speaking yeah i really enjoyed this one i i thought it was good uh the marshal of course really interesting character kind of hoping we see him again although he's not going to have his boba fett armor to protect him now so i'm i'm curious how his story's going to go uh i i wouldn't mind another return to tatooine or to see him come along maybe like last season he'll be one of the people that the mando picks up along the way to do some kind of big final confrontation like he did with uh uh the other characters in season one, you know, where he kind of goes back and collects them and <laughs> uses them in some big final adventure. So yeah. I hope we'll see him again. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I would love to see him again. I hope they work him in somehow. Uh, interesting character. I interested to see the backstory on Boba Fett from this. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope we're seeing that in the next episode. I haven't looked at anything about the next episode. I have no idea. I don't want to be spoiled. I want to go right into it. But yeah, I mean, to your point earlier, it's not a complex story, but it's it's beautiful to watch. There's a action. The acting's great. It's it was just so much fun. I just had a lot of fun, and that's what Star Wars is to me. It's just it's just having a good old time, and it felt like a western. You know, had that feel to it. I I I'm. It's, yeah, I want to go watch it again right now. I just have that feeling that I want to watch it again. So anyway, but yeah, so that was just a real quick and it, maybe we got into it more than I intended because, you know, I just can't stop talking about it. But again, listen to the Mando cast uh, with Michael Morris and his guest Steve Glosson for more in-depth analysis of the episode and also the Wampas Lair. They did that uh, review of the episode too. They're here on the network. And uh, I think uh, Ion Cannon, check them out. They also reviewed the episode. We got everybody reviewing the episode here on the network. So lots to choose from. So Dan, uh, when people want to find you online, where can they find you? Best place to find me is on Twitter. I'm at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. I've got a YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Kurtrats Productions. And that's the Kurtrats is just Star Trek backwards. So uh, pretty easy to find that way. Uh, I am actually going to be doing a review of, of The Mandalorian, reviews of The Mandalorian on my channel. And uh, so if you want the perspective of someone who's not the biggest Star Wars nerd, I, I don't know everything and more Star Trek side, if you want that perspective, I guess check out my channel because it's not going to be one that gets into really in-depth into all the Easter eggs because I don't know them all. <laughs> but, you know, I still love these and, and have fun watching them for sure. Yes, and of course, I'm on the Positively Trek podcast with you where we talk about Star Trek books and comics and the TV shows and anything 
Star Trek related. There's a lot of similarities to this show, but Star Trek. And then also I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. And I'm a big Star Wars fan. And so maybe I should be on Dan's YouTube channel, but I think we covered it here. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome on any (laughs) time. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening. And until next time, I won't be here. I don't know who will be. So there you go. Anyway, thanks for joining us. And uh, yeah, have a good one.